the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm looking at Trump. He is just coming out of the court in that phony scam of a case down there in uh, in lower Manhattan. They are that crazy judge trying to tell everybody that Trump, <laughs> that Trump is not a good businessman, that he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, that uh, Mar-a-Lago is actually worth $2, not $2 billion, right? That kind of stuff. And the judge won't even let him make his closing argument, won't let him make closing arguments. You know, I think that's kind of a fundamental right, right? Can you stand up and defend yourself in America? This is still America, isn't it? All right. Now, I think we may hear from him in a moment. Uh, he's uh, going to the microphones. He might make a statement, a statement that I think he wants to deliver indoors, but they're not letting him. And it's interesting. Uh, you know, CNN, all the all the networks, when he starts speaking, they cut away. They will not let him make that case. They won't let him talk about it on TV. It's very, very unfair. Uh, they always, well, they talk about what he's saying rather than letting him say what he wants to say. Um, that's okay. His message is still getting out. Did you see the town hall last night? Uh, I was going back and forth between the debate and the town hall. Uh, tr- <laughs> uh, uh Trump was the star of both. Uh, Trump won both, actually, interestingly. Nikki Haley versus DeSantis. Um, I definitely think DeSantis um, edged out Nikki Haley, the most annoying person. Just annoying and jerky. And, uh, well, here's Nikki. My wife actually liked Nikki. I thought, no, I'm going to straighten out the wife about that one, believe me. Cut five. You're going to find out tonight that there's going to be a lot of Ron's lies that have happened. There are at least a couple of dozen so far that he's done. So what we're going to do is rather than have him go and tell you all these lies, you can go to DeSantisLies.com and look at all of those. There's at least two dozen lies that he's told about me, and you can see where fact checkers say exactly what's going to happen and exactly why it's wrong. So it will cover the fact that he's only mad about the donors because the donors used to be with him, but they're no longer with him now. And that's because he's upset about the fact that his his campaign is exploding. You're going to see the fact that he has switched his um, policies multiple times, and we'll call that out tonight. But every time he lies, Drake University, don't turn this into a drinking game because you will be overserved by the end of the night. <laughs> Isn't she cute? You know, she's always using the, the wrong words, actually. She, she uses the wrong prepositions a lot. You know, when she wants to say of, she says in, and it sounds very juvenile, actually. She said Ron's campaign is exploding. I think she really wanted to say imploding. I know that's not a preposition, but exploding, like, almost sounds good. It's exploding. The DeSantis can't, we are doing so well, but imploding is what the word she actually wanted. DeSantis came off as a lot smarter. Now, I, look, I'm not a DeSantis uh, supporter at all. And I think this whole campaign was a mistake. I said so in the summer of 2022, almost a year and a half. I said, Ron, don't do it. It's not your time. But I don't like Nikki Haley at all. I kind of like Ron as a guy uh, and as a governor. He should not be doing this right now. And he's going to lose decisively to Trump. Um, but still he had his moments last night. Oh, and he's giving Trump a hard time. Let me hear this. Cut six. Donald Trump should be on this stage. He owes it to you here in Iowa uh, to explain this change he's had in his positioning 
to explain why he has a tough time saying whether a man can become a woman or not, uh, to explain why he wants to build a billion-dollar-plus big, beautiful new FBI building right in the heart of the swamp in Washington, D.C. He needs to explain why he didn't build the wall uh, and why he added $7.8 trillion to the debt. Every candidate needs to earn your vote. Nobody's entitled to your vote. And he comes in here every now and then, he does his spiel, and then he leaves. I've shown up to all 99 counties because it's important. You're a servant of the people. You are not a ruler over the people. And that's the type of president that I will be for. And you know what? He's never he's never portrayed himself, Donald Trump, as a ruler over the people, right? It, that's not That's not him. But I don't expect, actually, Donald Trump to have to go to each of Iowa's 99 counties, right? Iowa has the Internet. Iowa saw what happened between 2017 and 2021. He earned uh, the support by being president and by fighting for us and putting up with all that swamp crap and surviving, not only surviving, thriving amid all of this turmoil as they come at him, try to take his business, try to take his freedom, try to take away his liberty, these phony indictments. So, no, he doesn't have to go around to the to this state fair or that state fair, even though he's been to the state fair. It's funny, you know, he didn't go to the state fair. Like, the state fairs, if that means anything, right? How you eat a corn dog. We, you know, in America, it's crazy. We literally pick our presidents at the circus, right? Before Trump showed up and kind of blew the whole system wide open, you know, you had to go and camp out and basically live in Iowa. And Trump made no bones about it. He spent like two nights in Iowa. He would come in on his own plane with his own name on it and get the hell out. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You got to be true. You got to be uh, authentic. Anyway, and uh, you got to be brilliant. And he is. Let's see. What else happened? Uh, let's go to Trump on the town hall. Trump at the Fox News town hall. Cut one. Look what they did. Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. The FBI Twitter hoax. The 51 intelligence agents hoax. All of these different hoaxes that they did, I mean, you know, a lot of people would say that's probably quite normal. I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And and remember this, our ultimate retribution is success. (laughs) He was uh, confident. He was um, excellent on policy. He was uh, very articulate. He doesn't get enough credit for that, actually. The most effective communicator probably we've ever seen you know and why do i say that what does that mean is it, i know it doesn't necessarily sound like poetry but in terms of communication i mean he became the republican nominee for the presidency in 2016 by about 325 speeches that's it there was just speeches talking to the people and the media covering it there weren't a lot of commercials there wasn't a lot of whiz bang stuff it was his words his ideas Went out and talked to the people, and the people liked what they heard. It wasn't this. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, modern day political trickery involved. Let me try this one. Uh, oh, Chris Christie dropped out. More on that in a moment. Boy, oh boy, what a how full of himself. It took him forty five minutes to quit that race. Walking around, soaking it up, loving the attention. Uh, he's in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's about him and his vengeance. He wants to get. Rid of Donald Trump. There's something really, really bad there. But Trump was gracious last night about it all. Cut two. This country, Chris Christie, was uh, 
in, and uh, he got a hot mic, I heard about. I thought, actually, the bigger story wasn't the fact that he dropped out. Nobody cared too much about that. But he had a hot mic where he was talking to somebody about uh, the weather, and he happened to say that she doesn't have what it takes. She'll be creamed in the in the election. And, I mean, I know her very well, and I happen to believe that Chris Christie is right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. So you don't think it changes the dynamic much? I don't know if it does or not. Look... We're winning uh, tremendously here. We're, I think we're 20, 24 points up. I brought some polls if you want to see them, you know, just in case. <laughs> but I think we're 24, 25 points up. But New Hampshire is interesting. It's a great place, a great state, unbelievable people. But uh, they allow independents and Democrats to vote in the Republican primary. You say, what's that all about? So uh, it's a little bit false in that regard. But even with that, I think we'll win substantially. How about that? I forgot that about independents and Democrats getting to vote in New Hampshire. And Nikki Haley is playing to them very, very aggressively. Nikki is a snake. I don't like her. All right? I do not like her. It's official. Uh, how do I put that? Well, it's not like a... Do I, re- I? It's not like I ever endorsed her. I'm not taking back an endorsement. What's a non-endorsement endorsement? Anyway, I can't stand her. And she's not worthy of the job. She does not have the intellect. She does not have the resume. She does not have, I believe, the integrity to do it. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and Chris Christie, actually, let's hear that hot mic moment that people are talking about, that Trump just talked about. He was about to go on stage. He had a microphone on him, and he's talking to his peeps. Cut eight. They don't want to hear it. We know we're right, but they don't want to hear it. Mike. And and there's, you know, we couldn't have been any clearer. Mike. We couldn't have been any more, any more direct or worked any harder, so... Yeah, I mean, look, she spent $68 million so far, just on TV. She spent $68 million so far, $59 million by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked, and you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Uh, okay, there you go. And by the way, later he said that DeSantis called them all panicky, all panicky, worried that he was going to come out, drop out of the race and here is the official moment when he finally got around to it. Let's see here. Uh, cut seven. I've always said that there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States. Nobody really reacted much anyway. <laughs> there were there were nobody was crying, nobody was applauding, nobody was like okay, whatever. The people who we got to watch him give that speech, they looked like they were paid to be there. They <laughs> He says I'm looking around at a lot of sad faces right now and I know you're all, you know, you're really upset that I'm leaving this race. And then I look back at a couple of other Chris Christie events. And they're always the same. He walks, he gets about 20 people to kind of form a circle around him, and he walks in the, in the round. Like, he's the man in the arena. And they always look the same way. <laughs> totally uninterested, don't want to be there, and understood right from the get-go that he had no shot. So uh, egomaniac ham, and uh, what he did, you know, as recently as the fall of 2020, he was debating Trump. Uh, what was he doing? He was helping Trump get ready for debates. He was his sparring partner. So what happened between the fall of 2020 and now he's the biggest anti-Trumper in the world? You might say, well, January 6th happened. No, 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 it wasn't January 6th. It was Chris Christie taking stock of the political landscape 
and the media landscape and figuring out, okay, what what does a guy like me do? How am I going to stay on TV? How am I going to do things that will how, – how will I be accepted by the swamp, right? And you can't operate in the swamp um, as a, you know, as a member of that crew without being anti-Trump. And I think it was a financial decision on his part. Uh, screw the people. And that's kind of what I get from him, right? And he knows better. How many people have been out there yelling at the people, yelling at the people he wants them to, and he wants them to uh, vote for him. So, um, all right, goodbye. We will, uh, he'll probably get, well, who knows, who knows? Hey, Sandra, you want to say something? Hello. Welcome back. Haven't heard from you in a while. Well, I'm just following the rules, but anyway, great. Oh, you sound, um, oh, don't okay. worry, uh, Sandra. There are plenty of other shows to call, as I know you do, Dick Morris and the rest. That's okay, right? <laughs> right? I much. know you do. You, you, you're calling all the shows all the time. It's okay, but what's up? Uh, 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 yeah, and I'm very proud that I do because there are a lot I understand, of I understand, that... but I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I'm a little bit touchy on that one. So, but anyway, Sandra, uh, please, how can I help you? Oh, my God. I, you know, Greg. Sandra, just I'm tell me. I'm you, curious about this. What? Oh, my God. About six months ago, when I called your show, I spoke about a man that was there with Ashley Babbitt when she got shot, and he happened to be a doctor who wanted to help her. He was pushed away. I share that on your show. Nothing ever followed through with that. So I, as a recruiter, couldn't help myself. So I decided to find him myself, which I did. And I spoke to him, and I promised him, first of all, he knows you very well, likes you very much, and would welcome your call. But I can't say on the radio his name. I can't say where he works. I can't say all that, but I can leave you. You have my number. So Let me ask you this, me. Sandra. Let me ask you this. Is this guy, uh, can you see him on the videotape when Ashley Babbitt gets shot? I don't know. Maybe. It wasn't that part of I your detective know. work? I mean, this could be just some guy, you know, saying saying something. No, 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 no. How when do you know? When it comes to me, Greg, because I looked at his subpoena and everything. I did my legwork. He was subpoenaed by him. whom? By whom? The January 6th committee? Was he subpoenaed by the D.C. Circuit? What? Yeah, he's under persecution. He's in trouble, and that's why I have to be very careful what I share on the radio. But he did give me permission to say to you, a doctor who tried to give CPR to Ashley was dragged away. So that's what I'm going to say to you. And I have his cell phone number. All right, Sandra, thank you very much. I am intrigued. Thank you for doing the legwork. I'm going to check this out. And uh, let's put Sandra on hold. And uh, thank you very much for that potential tip. We don't know if it's juicy. We don't know if it's going to work out. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Jill Biden was on the TV today on Morning Joe. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. What a, um, I'm sorry, just like her husband, she is a big liar. She is a liar. She is not a nice woman. And I think she bears a lot of responsibility for where the country is right now. But the stuff she said on that show, on Morning Joe, and how they let her get away with it, you will be disgusted. I'm sorry. Jill Biden, I do not like you. I still love you as a human being, all right? There's a plan for everybody, but I do not like this woman, and neither will you. Be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Your husband is 81. At the end of the second term, he'd be 86. As his life partner of 46 years, is there a part of you that is worried about his age and health? Can he do it? He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out you know, traveling around this country, I see his vigor, I see his energy, I see his passion. Um, okay, um, in your dreams, <laughs> we we see the same guy. We don't see any of that stuff. Jill Biden. And, you know, that was Mika asking the question. Hey, Bill Belichick leaving after uh, 24 seasons. Was he fired or pushed out? How does that work? How does that work? Got to get the sports guy in here, Bill Belichick. I mean, look, the guy obviously knows football. Maybe he was a little lost with Tom Brady. Always looked very dumpy, right? Always very dumpy on the sidelines. If I, uh, I don't know. Uh, look, he's a successful guy. What did they work for? Bob Kraft, another real major success. But excuse me, that's it for the, um, for the New England Patriots, right? I mean, without Tom Brady, without Bill Belichick, I don't know what's going on up there. All I know about that is, uh, Bill Belichick, Kraft, uh, and the guy who uh, murdered somebody, that linebacker, Umberto somebody. All right. Well, we will get the sports guy in here. Um, she said, Jill Biden, you know, Joe has been your life partner for 46 years. Wait a second. 46 years ago. That's uh, 1978, 1977. Um, uh, they were looking overlooking something that I know that a lot of other people don't know is that uh, they actually were going out all the way back in 1972 when Joe was still married and uh, Jill was married to somebody else. Jill was married to someone else, and they started fooling around, fooling around right behind my good friend Bill Stevenson's back. Anyway, uh, they've known each other a lot longer than 46 years. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Chuck Schumer, and this is the street where I grew up. My dad was an exterminator. My mom, a housewife. I can remember my father pacing the floor, worried about paying the bills. But my parents worked hard so they could build a better life for their kids. All right, that's what politicians do, right? Fight for the middle class. That was Chuck Schumer. Uh, before you came down with a really hardcore case of Trump derangement syndrome, and he had the, uh, uh, the, the, the bejesus scared out of him when AOC showed up. AOC shows up, you know, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, thoroughly left, incredibly popular with the left, and then mobs started showing up on, um, on Schumer's uh, front yard, basically, um, that area right around his apartment building, yelling and screaming about him. 
um, doing anything that the liberals don't like. They wanted him to go hardcore left, and he did, and he did. And that commercial, I dug it up from a long time ago, and there he is talking about the middle class, fighting for the middle class. Um, actually, yeah, it's all about the middle class in this report. Uh, cut 26, please. Today, the middle class is slipping away for far too many families. I approve this message because rebuilding the middle class is something I feel in my bones. It's why I fight as hard as I can for you. Fight as hard as he can for us, for you and me, huh? So that commercial was shot on the block he grew up on, three blocks away from where he went to high school, James Madison High School. He studied very hard. It was very important to that father of his in the extermination business. Seemed like great people, middle-class people, right, wanting a better life for their kids. And Chuck studied hard and became the valedictorian at James Madison High School. Do you think Mr. Schumer, Chuck's dad, for one moment would have accepted a bunch of illegal migrants, illegal aliens coming in and taking over that school for one second? One second kicking Chuck and his friends, Bernie Sanders and Judge Judy and Ruth Bader Ginsburg out of the school so illegal immigrants from who the hell knows where could take it over and live there even for a second, for a night, for more? Of course not. But Chuck, Chuck is allowing that to happen. Chuck, you've lost your soul. You've caved to the far left. You used to... You used to care. Now you just want the power. You want the power. And wherever the damn wind is blowing, that's where we find you, apparently, right? What would your dad have thought about this? You showing up in front of the Supreme Court and threatening sitting Supreme Court justices like this. Uh, breaking the law, by the way. Cut 28. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. You got to look very carefully, okay? Illegal migrants took over the high school where this guy attended. His high school, James Madison High School, where American students attend right now. Those American students were told to stay home. So illegal migrants could come in and Chuck Schumer let it happen. That's Brooklyn. That's his turf. He allowed it to happen. And listen to these poor middle-class parents. We're absolutely mystified that this could happen in America. Uh, let's see here. We got the parents speaking, and they are, uh, what the heck happened to my parents? Where are my parents speaking? Ah, here we go. Cut 18. It's inexcusable to do this to the students of New York City high schools, especially after all they've been through with COVID. They have to come up with another solution. They cannot do this to the school kids. Remote learning is not happening because none of the teachers show up to the link provided. How about that, huh? Hmm? What a what a bum. What a bum. Anyway, all right, more on him later and the whole migrant situation. And then anything else, I do want to go back to the Belichick coach. Is it Belichick? Belichick? James Flippin, how do you say that guy's name? It is Belichick. And he was with the New England Patriots for uh, 24 years. That's wow. right. Big, long career. Um, what happened? Did he quit or get fired? Well, they're describing it as a mutual agreement between both owner Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. Um, you know, some have speculated that maybe Belichick's ready to kind of move on, take a new coaching job somewhere. There's rumors out there connecting him to places like 
LA, uh, Los Angeles. I was going to say San Diego because it's the Chargers. Um, you know, the Atlanta Falcons are in the market for a new head coach. The what Washington was, Commanders. What was the record of the New England Patriots last year? Last year, or, four or, and thirteen. Four wins and thirteen losses. That's correct. All right, he got fired. <laughs> okay, he got fired. Mutual, you know what I mean? But, I mutual, mean, mutual is, uh, do you want to leave uh, now or do you want to leave at the end of the season? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that if nothing else, they're saying that probably to kind of pay deference to what a legendary career he had there, right? Six Super Bowl titles, been to more than that, you know, uh, just always one of the top teams in the league and really, you know, cemented his Hall of Fame legacy while he was there. Now, what happened, though? I mean, was it was was he ever – was he all that great a coach or was it all Tom Brady – and the players, maybe he was just uh, the you know beneficiary, just kind of in proximity, basking in their glory. I know you need a coach, but he didn't suddenly become a different coach for this last season and become a crummy coach. No, I, I mean, mean he's the same coach, he's the same guy. Did he start making mistakes? Well, I mean, look, I think if you go back to the roots of Bill Belichick's career, he's really a defensive coach more than anything. He's a guy who made his bones as the defensive coordinator of the Giants, as a matter of fact, and you know. He's not necessarily thought of as like somebody who is a quarterback whisperer or maybe going to bring the next guy into prominence. You know, he grew as a coach alongside Tom Brady. Some people say Tom Brady deserves all the credit. Other people say, look, it's a combo. It's a partnership. I don't think so. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, right? Didn't he win basically the first time out? Sure. That's true. But, I mean, look, there's been many years, there were many years within those 24 seasons where things could have fallen apart for the Patriots. You know, their defense was maybe losing a lot of guys to free agency or draft picks that didn't work out, injuries. He overcame all that, helped them overcome that. I I think you have to give a lot of credit to Bill Belichick. Does anybody remember Tom Landry? He was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And you know what? That guy showed up with a suit and tie and a hat. And that's the way a coach should look. Now, I mean, that guy looked like a rumpled, unmade, you know, laundry bag at, at from the gym. Well, it's funny that it's you very bring up, unprofessional. It's funny you bring up Landry because people have made comparisons between the end of their tenure. You know, Jerry Jones kind of forced out uh, Landry at the end of his run, his legendary run with Dallas. Look, and, I don't know anything about uh, his record, but I'm just saying he was a well dressed coach. And this one, uh, not only that, Tom Landry was in shape. Why, why do all these coaches, why are they so big and fat? I mean, well, Bill Belichick, look, no, they're supposed to be in shape. That would command a bit more respect. I mean, I like uh, I like Bill Parcells. I liked him as a guy, and I liked him as a coach, too. But, man, he was, like, enormous. Sure. Whatever. You know, athletics should inspire a lifetime of uh, of wellness, you know, and, well, and staying in shape and being fit. Yeah, people talk about, you know, a sense of balance in your life and that kind of thing. I would venture a guess that a lot of these coaches don't have that balance. They kind of live at the team facilities. Supposedly they get there every morning at like 6 o'clock. Yeah, you on got the, the gym. Use the gym. Yeah. Well, I mean, Belichick has supposedly been, you know, a guy that's done weight training for years. Maybe you're not uh, impressed with his cardiovascular uh, training. But um, I remember hearing about somebody, I think it might have been J.J. Watt, who was saying, I saw him squatting in the weight room. I was impressed. Hey, hold on a second. Wasn't this the guy who was making out with his sister or something like that at a game? Not I mean, it wasn't really his sister, but didn't he kiss somebody on the lips he shouldn't have kissed on the lips at one point? Belichick? Yeah. There was something weird like that. Um, I mean, he's had uh, – I know he's been divorced and gotten remarried, and then he broke up with his longtime girlfriend recently. It wasn't his sister. I mean, there's somebody who he, like, sh- he inappropriately kissed, It was, just, or it's like a second tool. I don't know. Hmm. All right, so he's gone. I don't have anything uh, – 
This is not a very respectful eulogy on my part. Well, look, I understand. I, I, look, I don't say, know anything about this if stuff. If nothing you else, could. he's a tale of resiliency in some ways because he was the Browns coach in the 90s, got fired. Uh, the Browns left, became the Ravens. You know, it was kind of like, oh, this guy's career as a head coach is probably done. And he resurfaced with the Patriots, became a legend. Hey, everybody is finally on to what I was talking about with that Aaron Rodgers character. Uh, you know, I like it. Now, Jimmy Kimmel's got the guy's number. There are a couple of other sports guys who feel emboldened to say, you know what? This guy is a Fruit Loop. This guy is a narcissist. This guy is toxic. And I knew it as soon as I heard about that Ayakasha tea. And I said it when it, quite frankly, wasn't safe to say. Uh, before, during, and after his little uh, sprained ankle on the field. He's talking about that tea and unconditional love for himself and for others. I mean, it was just so wacky and weird and apart from God. I'm sorry. It was very, very irreligious. It was, it was kind of, um, pagan. It was pagan. That's what it was. Pagan. Well, he just got booted from the Pat McAfee show, so he's not going to be making his appearances on that show through the rest of the year. Who's Pat McAfee? That's the guy who started this. He used to be a punter in the NFL. He started a very popular talk show. ESPN paid millions of dollars to be able to show that on their air, and that's where a lot of this controversy between Kimmel and Rogers has stemmed from, appearances on that show. Pat McAfee. It's like the antivirus program on the computer. Uh, is that right. is it the same guy? It's not the same guy, no. That's... uh. I know, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. All right. The T and, uh, and kids so vulnerable and impressionable and some adults. I, I, you'd be surprised the adults who are coming to me and saying, you know, I'm hearing really good things about psychedelics. Are hmm. you crazy? So, well, when's the last time you uh, took a look at the Bible? Sorry, I mean, I'm not proselytizing, but when's the last time? Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. There, there's I'm, I'm spiritual, but not religious. That stuff kind of turns me off now. You know what I mean? You don't like to hear that from people. No, it's like, I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And like, you know, I, you know, I know there's a supreme being. I, I respond to the universe. I don't want to hear about uh, Jesus or God or any of those responsibilities that I might have. Right. I just want to, I just want to have tea and do yoga. Not my, you know what I mean? There's too much. I don't know. Too yeah, much people, of that. I guess people are sort of intrigued by some of the stuff with the psychedelics. I'm not really that aware of the ins and outs of that, but I've heard about that. Microdosing or you something like that. You stick with your marijuana <laughs> and you you ta- and you get a tasty buzz and you're fine. Right? You're fine. All right. Is there anything I'm in the else? we dry January, by the way. Is the, uh, what does that mean? Uh, no, no drinking throughout the month of January. Yeah, but you're still smoking pot. Yeah, you are. You are. You are. If you really want to go try, if you really want to change your life, I'm sorry. I've had a talk with a couple of people around here about this stuff. I don't think it's good. Can I just ask you this? Uh-huh. Um, anything else with that school in Brooklyn, James Madison High School? It's amazing to me that Eric Adams has not taken more of a hit, that there is in global outrage about this. Now, there's some. I mean, Donald Trump mentioned it last night in the town hall. Elon Musk was tweeting about it. But the crew at Channel 11... You know what I mean? Like those those wussy city hall reporters who just care about I don't know. I mean, are they not going to be la- allowed into uh, city hall? I don't think they can ban them from city hall. There are too many. Uh, the reporters are they suck, they stink. Every oh, not, almost every single one of them, they're wimps. 
afraid, right? Have you seen it firsthand, correct? Yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of pushback on this, you know, migrant issue and the way it's being handled from the press corps, I have to say. You want to hear the, uh, the odyssey of Eric Adams, right? Here's Eric Adams on, on, on illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. Here he is campaigning for the job of mayor, maybe right after he became mayor. Cut 19. This city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. Yep. All right. And then uh, and when the illegal migrants actually started showing up, uh, what was Eric like then? You know, setting up those crazy tents with the game rooms and the video and the the showers uh, cut 20. The history of this country has always been tied to welcoming those who are fleeing harm. And that is the spirit of this country. It must be done in an organized way. And I, I believe that we will always be responsible as, as New Yorkers to make sure whoever comes here, we're going to do our job. And that's what we have done. I think that New York has been a role model on how to effectively use our infrastructure to address the crisis and make sure we treat people in a humane way. And that's what we have done. Oh, it's so beautiful, Eric, right? Uh, then reality kicks in. You brought this problem on, Ewick. And now, now, cut 21. I'm declaring a state of emergency in the city of New York and issuing an executive order. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. How many, when you call yourself a sanctuary city, how many, how many did you think were going to come? A couple of dozen? It's New York. It's a big word. You, you promised a couple of dozen with those, with those beautiful videos and the warm words and the humanity? No. No, you signed up for this, you freak. And you sent them all to a school. You got the kids out and put the migrants in. And I can't believe in New York City, with all these allegedly smart people, the toughest media market in the world, you're getting away with it. Well, you're not going to get away with it. It looks like you're facing a pretty stiff primary challenge from Brad Lander, who I believe is the public advocate. No, the controller. Comptroller, yeah. So, comptroller. Comptroller. Uh, what do you make of that guy? Brad Lander. Uh, he's a member of the uh, Democratic Socialists of America, I think, isn't he? Oh, great. You know what? I may just have to run after all. Kelly for mayor is back on. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are back with, uh, let's take a call or two, Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Uh-oh. Patricia? Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Hi. How are you? Good. What's up? Go easy on me. My mother was Kelly and my father was a police captain and your dad mentioned him in his book and he liked them. So go easy on me. Well, but, I mean, what do you got in store? Like what? What? Oh, no, I was just saying that um, I was telling them that last night on the town hall. that. Hey, President hold on Trump- a second. Hold on a second. My father mentioned your dad in his book. Uh-huh. Who's your father? Um, Alfred LaPerch. Hmm. He was a police captain, a retired police captain, but he also worked for the DEA. All right. I'm going to check it out. Years. How do you spell LaPerch? L A, capital P E R C H. All right, all right. Uh, let me uh, check that out. Uh, so, uh, what's on your mind right now? 
And it's exactly what you said about Tom Landry. My father had that same kind of attitude, right, you know, um, is that last night with Trump on the town hall, you know, people are saying he's got to calm down, he's got to calm down, whatever. But no, he's not a politician. He's, he te- he's a businessman. He tells it like it is. But his delivery is much better. His delivery is much better. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Wait, his delivery is much better. You mean who's Trump? Uh, Trump's delivery compared uh, compared to DeSantis or compared to what it used to be. What do you mean? Uh, compared to what it used to be, you know, people they don't like all that caustic language of his. They don't like that. But last night he got his digs in, but his delivery was calm, cool, and collective. Interesting. You know what? I had not seen the entire thing. You actually, but to you, that's a shift. It, it, it looks different, right? A good shift. Interesting, interesting. All right, yep. well, uh, best to your dad, and is he still uh, with he's, us? He's, he's, oh. No, he's up in habit. And can I just say this one thing? I thank God every day of my life that I'm going to cry that my dad's up in heaven because he could not take what is going on in this country today. He was throwing things at the TV back in 2014. Could you imagine? <laughs> in 2014? Oh, my goodness okay. gracious. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He well, maybe NYPD. it's, it's all he for the NYPD. And he just loved the police department and what they're going through right now. I pray every right. day. I do holy hours every day. Hey, 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 you're right. I looked that up in the book. Two men and a woman. Let's see here. Let's see here. The woman was still screaming. She'd been hit in the leg with birdshot. What the heck happened here? Okay, this is one of his first calls. This is one of the first things happened to him as a cop. I made a couple of good arrests while I was still in the police academy. The first one was on an 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. tour in Manhattan's Greenwich Village. Around 3 o'clock, I was on West 3rd Street behind NYU Law School, a school I would graduate from with a master's of law degree. When I heard a sharp bang across the street, gunfire, I recognized it right away. I looked up in time to see a woman fall to the sidewalk, two men standing near her, and a gun between them on the ground. The woman was screaming in pain. One man kicked the gun to the other. I ran toward the three of them, jumped over the woman, grabbed one man, and pulled out my gun. The second man didn't even try to run. Only then did I see that the weapon on the ground was a sawed-off shotgun. The woman was still screaming. She'd been hit in the leg with birdshot. I warned the men... Uh, not to move while another rookie, Bruce Drake, helped me put a tourniquet around her leg, which seemed to stop the bleeding. Pretty soon, uh, the corner was crawling with police, and then an ambulance arrived. The two men and the woman had all come out of a bar and got into some sort of argument. She said the shooting was intentional. The men said it was an accident. A kind lieutenant at the 6th Precinct, Al LaPerch, helped me process the arrest. The doctors said the tourniquet saved the woman's leg. I felt good about that, and the night's adventure was written up in the Daily News. Um, interesting. Hey, you know what's interesting also? He said your dad was kind. A, it's just an, a kind lieutenant at the 6th Precinct. <laughs> Thank you. Seven kids, two college, I mean, a high school dropout. He was the American dream, and two sons that went to West Point and are now two CEOs, okay? Two that CEOs? That is the American dream. Wow. Yep. Wow. Uh-huh. Can you say Real what company, estate. like big-time companies? Yep. Oh. I'm telling you, um, that is the American dream that hey, we all live for, okay? Can I ask you something? If you have a sibling, and I'm not asking you particular, well, maybe I am, but uh, it's, it's there's the music. But I'm always curious if somebody in the family gets really, really, really rich, like makes it big. Do they start writing checks to other people in the family? I personally think they should, but we don't have to get into that right now, Patricia. Many, many God thanks bless. for the call. All right? All the best. Bye-bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. 
Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.